Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And next week's episode, we'll be discussing the NBA as it is ramping up, including our first night of in-season tournament. We'll have NFL Weeks 8 and Week 9, we'll covering the trade deadline, and we will have Jack's Hot Take. As always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow and turn on your post notifications for the Justin Time Sports social media at JTime Sports. I repeat, at JTime Sports uh, for all of your breaking news coverage and updates. But as always, sit back and get ready to learn something. shows I do all year where it'll be recorded an instant release um, I, know some, I know a lot of you guys were looking for the show on Wednesday morning you guys have been used to that uh, on Wednesday morning uh, however uh, I'm in the process of moving on a personal note so schedule has been a little wonky uh, this week it'll probably be a little weird next week as well because again uh, I know you guys used to hear me on Wednesday but I'm moving next week um, and so you probably won't get a show on Wednesday. Um, and I mean, it's a 50, 50 chance. I'll definitely keep you guys updated. My apologies for not updating you guys, uh, this week with the show going to be late, but, um, anyway, we are here, uh, for just in time sports season for episode 32 on a Saturday afternoon. I'm actually watching Texas A&M and Ole Miss right now. Uh, but topics, as you guys heard in the opening, the NBA, the NFL, uh, of course, Jack's hot take. Uh, so the big news to start off in the NBA, the big, huge news was James Harden got traded. Uh, oh, wow, that's bad. Uh, we have an injury in the A&M Ole Miss game. It looks like his knee, uh, this is Moss. He's refusing to get up. That's, uh, wow. Um, guy went low, hit him in the knee. Le'Veon Moss, who's just come back. He's from Walker, Louisiana. Um, so he's a Louisiana kid. Um, hit, hit him in the knee, and he immediately tried to help him up. He waved him off. He's writhing in pain. That's, that's tough to look at. Um, wow. But uh, the big news coming out of the NBA, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Sorry, over the past week was uh, James Harden got traded. So he got his deal to move on from the Philadelphia 76ers um, to the point where Brian Winhorse hilariously stated on TV that Harden, probably half-jokingly, Harden should open a consulting firm and teach other NBA players how to get out of their situations and get what they want because Harden got moved to Houston semi-against his will. Houston to Brooklyn was because he wanted to go to. Brooklyn to Philly was because he wanted to go there. And now Philly to the Clippers is where he wanted to go there. It was so mathematically unfeasible for him to go to the Clippers. Remember, I was like working the deal. I was trying to move Dane to Miami. 
and Harden to fit uh, the Clippers. And even if you did Harden straight up, there was no way the pieces would work. I mean, people were saying like, oh, there's no way they'd take that for Harden. I mean, that was the common thing. There's no way they'll take that for Harden. They're not taking that for Harden. They're not taking that for Harden. There's not enough picks. Like, it was so much stuff. And then you find out the Clippers weren't really negotiating. There was so much stuff against this trade. It was almost like, it felt like there's no way it's going to happen. But it happened. Um, James Harden ultimately gets traded to the Los Angeles Clippers for a package of Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, KJ Martin, two first-round picks, uh, one v Oklahoma City in 2026, one completely unprotected by the uh, from the uh, Los Angeles Clippers in 2028, uh, a pick swap, I think it might be two pick swaps, and two second-round picks, and James Harden's official Los Angeles Clipper. Um, he had his introductory press conference in which he stated that, um, you know, he had some difficulties in Philly and they were trying to box him in and he couldn't play how he wanted to play and that he's not a system player, he is the system. Uh, which led Joel Embiid to respond with, we gave Harden the ball pretty much every play. So I don't know what lack of freedom he was talking about, but he got the ball pretty much every play and could do whatever he wanted to. I mean, he has the ball in his hand. A couple of fans uh, that I know personally reached out and was like, what do you mean he's the sister? Like, it was one of those statements where a guy like James Harden, who's a world-class blame deflector, blame deflected. It wasn't me. They didn't let me play how I wanted to play. They got in the way of this. They got in the way of that. Um, you know, they 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 did things that they made me play a way I didn't want to play. And all the other stuff, you know, they just kept, he kept pushing it on Philly. Kept pushing it on Philly. Um, and ultimately, he lands with the Clippers. Now, let's look at this from a couple of ways. With the Los Angeles Clippers perspective, I think it ruins their chances of winning a title. They do. I think it ruins their chance of winning a national title. Well, Justin, why do you say that? And I keep saying national title. I mean to say NBA championship. Okay, so let's just paint a picture. Let's just paint this picture. Down one, up one, close game, one point, two point, three point game. Three minutes left. It's game six of a playoff game. Playoff series. Let's say they're down 3-2. And Harden is on the floor with Westbrook, Kawhi, Paul George, and Zubach. Okay. The ball is in Westbrook's hand. Is anybody in the Clippers team excited right now? I mean, are any of them like, we can do this? Or are you thinking in the back of your mind, Russ is going to do something incredibly dumb. Just just sit with that for a second. Okay. Now, let's say anybody besides Russell Westbrook has the ball in that scenario. Are you guarding him off the ball? Seriously. Are you guarding Russell Westbrook off the ball? He's an awful shooter. God awful shooter, right? When the option is Paul George has the ball, Kawhi has the ball, Harden has the ball. Are you guarding Russell Westbrook anything closer than 10 to 12 feet? I mean, remember the famous uh, Draymond defense where Russ had the ball at the top of the key and Draymond stood in the paint 
Because legally, if you're if your man has the ball, you can stand in the paint. If you're off the ball, defending, you can't stand in the paint. But remember that time where Russ has the ball and Draymond is literally standing in the paint. That's gonna happen a lot, but people are gonna sag as far off as they can sag. So if Russ is in the corner, people are gonna stand on the block. So now that's an extra defender near the way of the passing angle. That's an extra defender near the way of a driving angle. That's a person who's going to immediately double onto um, Zubach on the block. Paul George starts to work aggressively. Kawhi, you know, that's just another body there. Also, how willing is Russ going to be to go stand in the corner and basically not get the ball when the offense is on the floor? Is Russ going to close? Like, there's so many questions with this lineup. Now, yes, they do have a solid bench, but kind of saw the team minus James Harden against the Lakers. And the Lakers didn't play well, in my opinion, hardly at all. It took a, a virtuoso from LeBron. Not a virtuoso, but at least a, at least a pretty good thing from LeBron, pretty good game from LeBron. And the Lakers came back and won against the Clippers. It's pretty much going to be that. That's going to be the team, again, with James Harden. James Harden is a dependable person, body-wise. What about Kawhi and PG? Kawhi's infamously uh, fragile, body-wise. Paul George is having issues as of late. Um, so, we're just going to we're gonna keep our eye on the situation. I just don't think uh, they're going to win the title. And the biggest winner is James Harden. Uh, he gets to the destination again. He gets to the spot he wants to again. He gets to continue to flex his power again. And he's pretty much got the Clippers over a barrel in terms of contractually because he, Kawhi, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook, all in some shape or fashion. Well, three of them are true free agents. Russ can get out of his deal. Um, so they can all enter free agency next year and walk out of the Clippers' door for nothing. New, new um, arena in Inglewood be damned. They can all walk out for nothing. And you would have traded so much, and I do mean so much, in order to uh, to get them uh, over the years maneuvering uh, salaries back and forth and dumping out the bench and um, all kind of stuff. So there's so much that the Clippers are are attempting to uh, attempting to do here. They're going to try and have to get those guys back. I mean, there's no way I make the Harden trade without a handshake agreement or a wink-wink agreement uh, regarding a, a long-term contract. The Clippers did it anyway. Um, this could be the world's biggest gamble and biggest fail. And if those guys walk out of the door forever, that sets the organization back 10 to 15 years, especially in the new era of the way the CBA operates. But also... The in-season tournament started yesterday. Um, met with mixed reactions. Basketball-wise, it was great basketball. Dame hit a big shot late. Steph hit a big shot late. Uh, Jokic and Luka went at it. Um, you know, it was great basketball because in the end, it's a regular season game with added intrigue. Um, different uniforms. Um, different courts. Um... You know, it's a double standing game. It goes into the cup round of the group stage of the in-season tournament, along with the regular season stats. Uh, it's it's all 
teams in your conference. So now, you know, these games really matter because, again, it's all teams from your conference. So now these games directly affect your side of the standings because if you're eighth and another person's fifth, you beat them, you know for a fact they're down a game and you're up a game. Um, so it's going to be huge. Um, and the, pretty much the mixed reactions stem from people don't like the courts. Um, I mean, it was a lot. Like I, I see what the NBA wanted to do here. They wanted to signify it was a totally different situation. Um, because the WNBA has the Commissioner's Cup, which is effectively the in-season tournament. And all they did to differentiate a regular game versus a regular season plus Commissioner Cup game was put the Commissioner Cup symbol on the floor. The Commissioner Cup logo was on the floor. The NBA changed the entire floor. Gone are basic hardwoods. It's a painted floor. And then it's like a strip, like a landing strip, uh, which in hindsight is probably Vegas strip, down the middle of the floor in a different color. Um, It's cool to look at. It reminds me of Pro-Am Courts. You know, people make program courts uh, in 2K. Um, it reminds me of a park court, but mainly a program court. You know, most people hate the painted courts, but people have um, painted courts in 2K. And so that sort of reminded me of instantly, but great basketball. And what the NBA had to do, what the NBA had to get to, to be sold was um, the significance of the games. Because ultimately, they are built into the regular season. Which, as we all know, the NBA stars in the regular season don't have the world's best relationship. And so the NBA being able to to signify the importance of these games, obviously they're pushing it to their stars. Because Steph came out and said, it didn't feel like a regular season game. It felt almost like a playoff game. Uh, Dame said, although we don't really know what's going on, you can tell it's a different game. Like you can tell something about this game is different from a regular season game. Outside of just the court, outside of just the uniforms, something about this, it just feels different. Like, you know, we none of us know what's really going on just yet, but it feels different. Uh, the like I said, stuff hits the big shot and supposed to feel like a playoff game. And just looking at the interactions in the crowd, it looks different. It looks like I mean, outside of just the court. It feels different. It looks different. The game is played not quite with finals intensity, but it's definitely feel like a playoff game. So for a lot of these younger guys, I think this could be huge for their development because these games stand out. It's not just a national TV game. It's not just a game against a good team or a division opponent or a conference rival. It feels like a playoff game. So some of these guys, these younger guys, can have the experience of playing in almost like mock playoff games um, before they even have to ever enter the playoffs, which could stop the, which could slow down the learning curve of the playoffs. Because a lot of times guys have rough playoff series early. You're just not used to it. You play the same team, you know, seven times in two weeks. They know your plays back and forth. You know their plays back and forth. Everybody, that is an amazing catch. Uh, everybody knows their plays back and forth. You know, it's just the matchups are changing, and it's just a different vibe from the regular season, as opposed to the, you know, the regular season where it may be four different cities in a week, and you know, you're not really guarding plays. You may run into a guy like LeBron who knows everything, but for the most part, people are just playing basketball, and so these mock playoff games in the Eastern tournament could be huge to the development of a lot of the young guys in the league. All right, so let's hit some semi-quick hitters. 
LeBron is ridiculous. What he's doing is a two-fold level of ridiculous. First of all, at 38 years old, I think he turns 39, or he's 37, but he turns 39, something like that. At the play in his 21st year, what he's doing is impossible. I'm just being honest. It's impossible. It shouldn't be done. I believe the highest... Um, the highest points total for a player in year 21, I think, I know the average is like nine point something, like Vince Carter, eight point something, nine point something was Vince Carter's uh, average, and LeBron's average like 27, 30 points a game. He turned it on against the Clippers and just was like, we're not losing. What he's doing is that it should be impossible. Before he did it, it was previously thought to be impossible, but so was his year 20, and so was his year 19, 17, and 18. I think he's, they think his year 17 and 16 are comparable to certain people, but from years 17, 18, 19, and 20, those were impossible years, and now he's doing it in year 21. Uh, he played the Kings and had a great game, 20 years to the day of his NBA debut, including hitting the same exact dunk. When you're doing what he's doing at the age he's doing, he's like 38. He's so good at 38, no one is even remarking how amazing Kevin Durant's playing at 35. 35-year-olds are used to be bench players or out of the league. No one's remarking how great Steph is at 34. They used to be some of the best players in the world, and they're in their mid-30s. Uh, it's just the fact that LeBron's in his upper 30s, and so it's negating, basically, the amazingness that these other guys are doing in their mid-30s. I mean, mid-30s, you're supposed to be out of there. It was so rough that, like, the NBA had a ruling. You couldn't even give a certain amount of money to certain people at a certain age. Like, we're not going to allow you to ruin your franchise with a person. We know it's not going to be good. Uh, and so that's just making LeBron's situation all the more insane. Although I think we'll see certain guys play as long and a little bit longer, be better longer. Um, I still don't think it's a popular thing to do just from the time of commitment and the fact that if you're playing 21 years, you 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 probably you probably were a superstar at one point, you probably have a couple hundred million dollars in the bank. And if practice is in 22 and a half hours uh, in order to spend your time when you're not in practice. So I just don't think it'll happen, but kudos to LeBron James for his absolutely uh, amazing care of his body and for uh, care uh, for the game. The Pelicans are rolling right now. Uh, kudos to them. They're maintaining health early. I mean, Brandon has a, has a bruised knee. You guys know I'm a Pelicans fan. They're maintaining health early. Jordan Hawkins looks like a great pick. Zion uh, Williamson is looking dominant as ever. Jonas Valanciunas is throwing smaller people out the way, kind of like what he did Team USA in the World Cup. Matt Ryan is an absolute flamethrower. CJ McCollum's on a bender. He's just on a tear right now, knocking in everything that everything he puts up, it feels like. And so that's it helping the New Orleans Pelicans absolutely on their roll. And also, Victor Wimbenyama is an alien. He's not from this planet. I don't know where he's from, but it isn't from here. He's seven foot four and doing guard warm-ups to two basketballs per game. He's so tall, he made Kevin Durant. Like a, look, look like a legitimate shooting guard. He's blocking shots and dunking the ball in his face is previously unthought to be possible. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's like 
He's stopping and popping on threes. He's running the break, catching lobs. He's dunking the ball backwards. He's blocking shots left and right. He's warming up with guard drills. He's knocking down threes. It's to the point where I believe Ryan's okay when he said Victor's going to break our game. Well, because he's going to be able to do so much at his size, you're going to have to almost, like I said, break the rules of the game just for his build. Uh, it's just ridiculous, man. Like, watching him play and doing the stuff that he's doing when he's doing it is just, it's just amazing. Like, he looks like an alien. He's so long, he's so tall, and he just looks like an alien, and he's playing like an alien. He's playing like he's not from this planet. He's ridiculous. He's easily the rookie of the year. I don't want to hear about Chet Holmgren or anybody else, and he may drag that bad Spurs roster into the playoffs. I mean, that's how good he's playing right now. That Spurs roster is awful, and he may actually drag it into the playoffs. They've beaten Phoenix. They've beaten a couple of good teams. Um, he's played really, really well. Uh, he's getting help from a couple of different places, but he's played incredibly well. And so I was saying that he may drag that poor San Antonio roster into the playoffs. But up next, we're going to jump into NFL Week 8 and talk about what's going down there. talk the NBA segment went a little longer than anticipated excuse me but the NFL is segment is on it is popping and let's get started I'm gonna go ahead and get my fandom out of the way you know me I'm a Patriots fan go ahead and get my fandom out of the way the Patriots season's officially over um they gave me a little hope and I'm mad about it they gave me a little hope after they beat the Bills um I came on the show said Oh, the Patriots going to make it three out of three. You know, only three wins of the season, the in division. And then, of course, uh, that did not happen. Uh, the Dolphins handled the Patriots, for the most part, pretty well. Um, and I think the Patriots now should shift into um, next season mode. Where you're looking at, okay, evaluate Mac Jones for the future. Evaluate the young guys. Get Kayshawn Boutte. Get Demario Douglas. Get these young guys on the field. Uh, trade deadlines passed. I was a dump veterans, but uh, they didn't. But trade deadlines passed. Um, look at younger veterans. See which ones you might want to bring back. Guys on expiring contracts might want to pull those guys out. Uh, you know, it's just different things like that. But their season is officially over. So there's there's that. So get that out of the way. All right. The Jacksonville Jaguars, however, are like the hottest team in football. Not kidding. Uh, they won like 12 or 13 of their last 17 football games. Uh, in those 17 games, which now is one full season, Trevor Lawrence looks like what we thought he would. Um, Doug Peterson's effect is obvious and clear on the football team. Calvin Ridley is such a huge help. Tra- uh, Travis Etienne is a top five running back this year. 
in fantasy, I believe he's number two in terms of raw production. Um, this is exactly what we thought Jacksonville would look like. And, then, and now they're making moves as well to help them defensively to try and shore up that defense enough to where Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to one-man, or him and Charlie Etienne doesn't have to one-man, um, they're not the one-man football games and not one-man victories, or two-man victories, I should say, um, because the offense has to produce, you know, 35 points to win a game like Justin Herbert's living in oven uh, with the Chargers. And so, huge uh, thing for the Jags to be able to continue to um, produce and continue to win games. Like I said, they won 12 or 13 of their last 17, which 13 and 4 is the number one seed in the conference. I mean, they're playing really, really good football right now. Um, so, major kudos to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Kansas City Chiefs snapped back to reality um, a little bit. They in turn, lost to the Broncos, in which the Chiefs scored nine points. It was the first game in, like, 20-something games. Patrick Holmes didn't have a touchdown, but the Chiefs offense didn't have a touchdown. Uh, the Denver Broncos defense, which, of course, got railed by the Miami Dolphins for 70. It could have been 80 or 90. The Dolphins just pulled off. Um, and then they got smacked apart uh, by, I can't think of what else they played, but early in the season, Everybody punched on them. It got to the point where you just took the quarterback playing the Dolphins defense uh, because uh, playing the Broncos defense because that's how it went. Uh, it's at 70, giving up to the Dolphins. Like they could have easily been 80 or 90. They just pulled off and was nice about it. Didn't want to break the record of which it was 72 um, on them. And so the Broncos defense, however, they played Kansas City two weeks ago, three weeks ago now. And they showed us how to life. But the game before that, they were a little better. Then they played Kansas City. They were a lot better. Then they made their next game. They played well. And then against here, it was like the creme de la creme. They were able to lock in and lock down the Kansas City Chiefs for the most part all night. Pretty well all night. I said nine points for that offense is like near blasphemy for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And so they were able to control uh, the Chiefs and what they wanted to do pretty much all night. Uh, and the Chiefs struggled majorly and mightily uh, to even attempt to do anything offensively. Uh, the Broncos were that locked in on defense. But that brings me to my two talking points in the NFL. I kind of did my quick hitters first, and then I'm going to do my trade deadline quick hitters, and then we're going to go on from there. But Brock Purdy. Oh, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, Mr. Pick, what, 254, or something along those lines. Mr. He's the reason Trey Lance got traded. Mr. Future Face of the Franchise, all that good stuff. Brock Purdy, Mr. Still shares an apartment because he only, he only makes probably 300 grand out of Texas, 400 grand out of Texas. Still shares an apartment, excuse me, and has an older vehicle. That Brock Purdy. Um, the Brock Purdy that everybody wanted to anoint. And I don't know what I said. I said, you know, he was Mr. Irrelevant for a reason. He was the last pick in the fourth round. Last pick in this draft for a reason. I said, no, everybody, I know everybody points to uh, Tom Brady. and said, look what could happen with a late round pick quarterback. My response is always, show me another one. Quarterbacks happen one through four. After that, you are literally crapping in your hand and hoping it turns to gold. 
for Tom, for Tom Brady and the Patriots, it turned into titanium, platinum. For most of the world, it just stays poo. And Brock Purdy had the advantage of the best left tackle, the most proficient scoring running back, two of the best playmaking receivers, and one of the best playmaking receiver cores. Uh, the rest of the offense line is pretty good as well. Fred one is a best inside linebacker. The DBs are highly paid. The D line is ridiculous. Even before the business Chase Young, the D line is ridiculous. Right? That's the life that Brock Purdy was living. And I always say it's a very unrealistic thing. And they had to win while he was still making no money and they were living this life. Because if they did it after how to do it after he got paid, he wouldn't be able to work. Because he would immediately start losing players. Well, the Niners began to experience what life with a highly paid Purdy would be like. The reason why is you still had CMC, you still had most of the people, but you were short two people. You were short Debo Samuel, and you were short um, your left tackle, whose name escapes me right now, and I call it Trent Williams. And you, were, and you were a down Trent Williams. And Brock Purdy looked awful. Now, he had a rough start. He had a great, he had a good start. But then down the stretch, he looked awful. Like a seventh round pick quarterback. Like, no one should have been surprised at the pick six. Because when they put the ball in his hand and say, hey, Brock, you have to beat us, that just, like, didn't happen. That just, like, didn't happen at all. And this has not happened for three weeks. That has not happened for three weeks in the slightest. They're 0-3. He has twice as many interceptions as touchdowns. His passer rating is under 100. I believe it's, you know, 80-ish. It's just not. He's looking like an average NFL quarterback. He doesn't have his team full of superstars. He just has most of his superstars. And he looks bad. But also... You listen to Justin Town Sports, uh, like my people and my friends in Southeast Asia do. You would have known that Brock Purdy being in eh, was incredibly was incredibly possible. Being incredibly in eh, was was possible. Being a put out bum was on the table. Like I don't know where the shock is coming from. I mean, people are legitimately shocked. That he's playing bad. All I can say is, why are you shocked? This should be expected. He was the last pick in the damn draft as a quarterback. That's like not how it happens. You don't, if you can play at quarterback, you're a fourth round pick at the latest. See Dak Prescott. Jalen Hurts was a second round pick. You don't have to be a top 10 pick, but you're not the last pick in the freaking draft. They brought in basically as a camp body and it turned out you could play a little bit and then injuries and opportunities and here you are. But there is no way Brock Purdy was a superstar. There was no way he was ever going to be MVP. There was no way he was ever going to be one of the faces of the league. He himself is Mr. Irrelevant. And if he doesn't fix this incredibly quickly, he's going to become irrelevant. 
Because they're going to, 49er fans are smart and they're shrewd. They'll look up and go, man, we had Trey Lance. So worst come to worst, if Brock Purdy's absolutely terrible, we can at least slide in Trey Lance. Um, for if, if nothing, if you don't trust him to do anything else, if nothing more, he can run the ball. But they say you move Trey Lance to Dallas Cowboys for effectively nothing. And you uh, hand the keys over to Brock Purdy, and now he's playing like Mr. Allen should, and there's no one else to the keys from him. All right. Oh, and then sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders like, fired everybody. They fired uh, the GM. They fired head coach Josh McDaniels. They fired the offensive coordinator. The Raiders cleared house. Mark Davis, who's the owner of the Raiders um, and is the cash poorest owner, just won a title with his WNBA team, the Las Vegas Aces. And they're on that back-to-back uh, championships. And so with them going back-to-back, it kind of puts the pressure, not kind of, it definitely puts the pressure on his other organizations. And the Las Vegas Raiders is the one that stands out. Um, they are they were bad organizationally. They were not great functionality-wise. Uh, they were bad. Um, and so even Justin Daniels, they were like 9 and 18, I want to say. It was not good at all of a record. And so this is something that I, the Raiders feel like they had to do. Uh, the offense was not good at all. Um, and with the, uh, the offense being not good at all, Josh McDaniel was the offensive coach. They were the offensive coordinator. Uh, they were, they're now sitting down being world's best couch coaches um, because of what they were doing. And now they have been relieved of their duties. Um, and so they'll be on the, they'll be on the, they'll be on the clock. You know, coaching away, I guess. And they'll also, they're probably like TV jobs or something, but they'll be on the couch uh, just scouting away for the off chance someone gives them a call back. But that is how it works in the NFL. Once you make friends, you tend to keep getting calls back. And a couple of defensive ends have been moved from the Washington Commanders. Chase Young uh, was traded to the for the 49ers for the bag of the pocket of lint, uh, pretty much. And then uh, Montez Sweat was traded to the Chicago Bears for a second-round pick and then immediately extended, uh, that came in today, four years, $98 million, with $72.865 million in guaranteed language. Um, and so he is going to become a cornerstone of the Bears franchise. But up next, we are going to shift gears into NFL Week 9 and give you a little preview of some of the games happening in Week 9. going on in the NFL as we move into the rest of this week. 
Uh, we had Thursday Night Football a couple of days ago. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Tennessee Titans. whole lot of uh, bad offense. Uh, the Titans had Will Levis starting. He looked like, well, what I thought Will Levis would look like, which was, eh. Had some moments of, like, wow, there's some arm talent there. And then had a couple of plays. You were looking like, have you ever played this position before? Um, but he looked like how I thought Will Levis would look. But the main story here is that the Steelers' offense is still anemic. Uh, it's so bad now that George Pickens has gone on social media to request a release from the organization. That's rough. Um, that's, like, really rough. So, like, I, I that's bad. He's requested a release from the organization. And I need the offenses. The fans have been clamoring for the release of Matt Canada, or the firing of Matt Canada, rather. It's pretty much he took the offense coordinator the job. Kenny Pickett does not like he's developing hardly at all. Uh, so it's definitely time, in my opinion, to do something different on offense. I think it would be it would be better organizationally if Matt Canada is fired in the offseason. Because then they just put a lot of pressure on a quarterback coach, and et cetera. Um, but their offense is absolutely anemic. Uh, it's rough. Um, so it's just it's just absolutely rough. The condition that they're um, that their um, offense is that bad. My apologies. Like, it's just it's awful. Like unless somebody just makes a play, it's bad. Like nothing looks easy. Nothing like it's schemed or designed open. It looks like a great player made a great play in a bad, in a bad situation. I mean, that's kind of how a lot of the plays look for Pittsburgh. They're going to have to get that rectified. Uh, the 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 Tyreek Hill Bowl in, the, in Germany uh, tomorrow morning is going to be a very interesting contest. Um, it is not in my Jack's pack, so we will pick it. Uh, it's Dolphins versus the um, Chiefs. And the return for Tyree Hill is the first time he's played them since he was moved to Miami. Uh, kind of a wild story there. But the first time he was moved to Miami, uh, he was definitely wanting to be in Kansas City. Moved to Miami. It's making the best of a bad situation. The best of his, not the situation he thought he was going to. Although he's having an absolutely spectacular year. Uh, first receiver to have 1,000 yards in eight games since, like, you know, leather helmets um he's actually having an amazing year and the chiefs offense looks like they definitely need him out there but as far as the game result itself i'm gonna go those those foreign games are weird usually the team with the best system wins the game i'm going to go with the miami dolphins by a score of 30 to 20 uh, the Chiefs bounce back offensively. Good teams don't get embarrassed two weeks in a row. Uh, but I just think that though that it being in Germany, the game's a little weird. Uh, usually the better system wins the foreign games. Uh, but that and the Dolphins have the better players too. And so uh, I got the Dolphins winning by about seven points. Kirk Cousins uh, unfortunately went down. Uh, he is out for the season with the torn Achilles. I knew it almost immediately when I seen it. Um, that calf shuddered. It reminded me a lot of uh, Kevin Durant's injury when his pressure and his leg finally gave out and you could see his calf jump and shudder. Uh, so that is what happened to Kirk Cousins and he is out for the remainder of the season. Uh, Desmond Ritter has been benched for the 
uh, Atlanta Falcons. He has been benched in, in favor of former Washington Commanders starting quarterback Taylor Heineke. Uh, I think the Ritter era could be over in Atlanta. He's also not good at football. Uh, I think that's where the air may be over in Atlanta, especially Brian Hoyer. Not Brian Hoyer. My apologies. Especially if Taylor Heineke comes out and plays really well. I think that could uh, sway the Atlanta Falcons into picking a new quarterback after the one that they tried to bargain shot for. Turns out to not so be much of a bargain. Uh, the Eagles versus the Cowboys. Again, not my Jacks pack. We will pick it. This is a very important game for the NFC and the NFC East. Uh, the Eagles have two losses. The Eagles have one loss. The Cowboys have two losses. If the Eagles were to get this game, they'd be effectively three games up because they'd be two games up to begin with, plus they at the moment would own the tiebreaker. So they'd be effectively three games up on the Dallas Cowboys a little over halfway through the season in terms of getting the division and the potential to add a first-round bye. Oh, and so that is an absolutely huge game outside of the rivalry of the division, outside of the fact that those two franchises and fan bases strongly dislike each other. I believe that uh, it's going to be a great contest. Both quarterbacks have the utmost amount of respect for each other. Um, both uh, coaches have shown a lot of respect so far um, for each other and to each other. And so I see it's going to be a great game. Ultimately, I have the Eagles winning uh, 38-35. It's going to be a classic ball game between those two. And last, but certainly not least, uh, the Bills of the Bengals. Again, another game not Jack's pack, so we will pick it. Uh, I think the Bengals are going to run away and hide with this game. The Bills have been dealing with a lot in general. Josh Allen's roller coaster and efficiency and roller coaster up and downness, the roller coaster play. He's also been struggling this year with um, having just people having a foot on his neck and getting up or even putting your foot on someone else's neck and keeping them down. He's had a real problem with his killer instinct this year. Um, so I hope that that uh, changes for the Bills. However, I think it's a, a lot to be too late, way too little, far too late to do anything against the Cincinnati Bengals, who seem to have found their stride both offensively and defensively as they are playing really, really good football right now. Um, so I have the Bengals uh, winning the game by a score of uh, 34 to 20, uh, 34-23. My apologies. Uh, I think the Bengals is going to just own this game, play it really, really well, and they're going to dominate uh, the Bills. But up next, we're going to have our Jack's hot take, which is going to be a chat about Jack's pack. Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to have our Jack's Hot Take, which is going to be about Jack's Pack. We're not going to discuss last week. We're not going to discuss the overall record. We're in a bit of a slump. And my hot take, I'm going to be honest, is the fact that we're going to go 5-0 this week. So let's run through these games, and then we get you guys out of here on this Saturday afternoon. Um, Seahawks at Ravens. Ravens minus six, minus 6. Take the Seahawks. I think they're going to win by at least a touchdown, which will cover this point spread. Um, but I, the Ravens are a really good football team. The Seahawks are solid, but the Ravens are one of the best, if not the best team in football right now. And they are just absolutely physically dominating people. 
Do you remember, do you remember what they did to the Lions? Jeez. Um, and again, it's in Baltimore where that team stands to feed off the city, the city's energy. And so, therefore, the Ravens are going to win by at least six points. So, Ravens minus six. Got the Ravens by a little over a touchdown. Bucks plus three at Texans. Take the Bucks. I think the Bucks wins the game flat out. Uh, I think CJ Stroud starting to hit a bit of a rookie wall. I think the organization is starting to lose some of that year one flair, uh, which they are in no interest to lose because they traded their first round pick this year, last year for Will Anderson. So they're in no incentive to lose. However, I just think they're running into a wall now. Uh, and the Bucks seem to be playing a little bit better. Uh, so Bucks plus three at Texans. Rams plus three at the Packers. Take the Rams. Uh, Aaron Donalds have a field day this game. Packers interior line is not the world's greatest. I believe Aaron Donalds should have an absolute field day this game. Uh, I think that the corners have an opportunity to make plays. Yes, Matt Stafford's injured, but it's not like the Packers have an explosive offense. Uh, so the defense should be able to walk down, get into more lanes, uh, fill in the more gaps, and not have to deal with an elite uh, quarterback. Not have to deal with an elite passing game in general. Um, I think the Rams win the game outright. Which, of course, coverage is the plus three. Colts, minus two and a half at the Panthers. The Panthers are going to get destroyed here. They have classic, and I do mean classic, first time I did anything syndrome. And so, I just think that the Colts are going to walk in and beat the Panthers by a couple of field goals, actually. I'm thinking about uh, six points. I'm thinking uh, semi-low score, 24-18. With the uh, Indianapolis Colts sitting on the porch and enjoying a victory after a long, hard game um, in Carolina. But up next, we're uh, we're chatting about the Chargers minus three and a half at the Jets. Take the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to run away and hide with this game. I don't think the Jets, even with the improvement of Zach Wilson, has the offensive explosiveness to keep up with uh, the Chargers. Offense and I think Charger might put up 27 or 30 on that Jets defense. The one thing with the Jets defense is that you can spread it out and attack the middle of the field. So I think the Charger going to look to do that repeatedly. Austin Eckler's the weapon nobody can replicate pretty much. And so, therefore, uh, the Chargers minus three and a half is the side against the Jets. So just to run through them again, it is Ravens minus six over the Seahawks. Bucks plus three over the Texans. Rams plus three over the Packers. Colts minus two and a half over the Panthers. Chargers minus three over the Jets. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, don't, again, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Just In Time Sports Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe uh, to the social media handle at Sports on all of your favorite social medias. Now, this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.